Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out The Bachelor Present, Listen to Your Heart on ABC, Mrs. America on FX, Black AF on Netflix, Run on HBO, and The Baker and the Beauty on ABC. So stay tuned to the end to find out if BJ is going to find his billionaire beauty that he'll bake for. I do like to bake, so I'm open to billionaire beauties. Billionaires, give us a call. BJ single. I can make myself single for a billionaire. No problem. <laughs> you just celebrated your anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Let's get into it. For The Bachelor presents Listen to Your Heart on ABC, this reality show asks the question, will a shared love of music lead to a shared love forever? Interestingly, based on A Star is Born, the most recent iteration of the film, 20 singles come to The Bachelor Mansion in hopes that their love for music will lead them to their love, period. And you're sent home if you are not in a couple at the end of an episode. Beach, how did you feel about this one? So I don't have much experience with the Bachelor franchise. I think we've watched one episode of Bachelor in Paradise together. Yes. Which is also an unconventional version of the Bachelor franchise. But I thought this was a fun twist on dating reality shows where everyone has these musical passions and they're trying to bond over that because a hobby is always a good way to make a connection with someone, a romantic connection, or just platonic. And so music seems like a great gateway. The main thing I didn't understand, other than the premise of the show, is why would you aspire to be like Jackson, Maine, and Allie from A Star is Born? Every single iteration of that movie has been tragic. It is odd, and even one of the contestants admits that typically musician couples don't work. So it's very questionable that ABC is trying to really push these musicians together. And it feels harsh to say that I don't understand the premise of the show. I get that they want to make music together, and I get that they want to be coupled up in the end, but I can't tell what the finish line is. In this first episode, they're starting to get to know each other. A couple of them get to record a song using John Mayer's guitar. But we see in a preview for future episodes that they're going to perform in front of the likes of Jason Mraz and Tony Braxton. And I think I saw Kesha as well. So I can't tell if the end goal is a proposal, a music deal, or both. You know, I think that's going to be a nice surprise twist at the end, so I'm not going to spoil it for you. Oh, you already know? You know, I have my inside connections. Clearly, they are going to become musical couples who will then switch from this Bachelor-style in-house dating setup to jumping on a stage, American Idol style or The Voice style, and sing their hearts out with their musical partner and love of their life. And I guess if these music industry professionals like them, then they will be approved to go forward with a marriage. And speaking of American Idol, one of the complicated couples that interested you, Beach, includes Trevor, who had a viral audition for American Idol because Katy Perry really loved him. I think he describes himself as the construction worker by day, musician by night. And he's your down-home, normal guy with a passion for music. And he makes a connection with the youngest contestant, Jamie, who seems very overwhelmed by this whole situation, but also very open to finding love. 
It is jarring to hear contestants like Jamie, who are 21 years old, saying things like, I've been on a hundred dates and I haven't found love yet. And the age range of these contestants is, I think, 21 to around 35. Yeah. I just had a little yikes moment when Jamie was like, I need to find love ASAP. Or even Rudy. I think she's 24. They are young, but they are tired of searching and they are ready to settle down. So how did you feel about the Jamie-Trevor-Ryan situation? That was interesting because Jamie immediately hit it off with both Trevor and Ryan. Ryan took her on a Bachelor-style date where they got to record a cover of a song. Well, Ryan is a huge John Mayer fan, and they got to cover Gravity. I just found it very odd that Jamie was literally crying that she has to choose between two guys that like her. To be honest, I was far more entertained by the five-person complication that was Rudy, Matt, Mel, Gabe, and then Cheyenne thrown in there. Listeners, if you watch any part of this show, watch this part where Rudy and Matt make a connection on the first day. Matt tries to kiss her. Rudy rejects him. Matt then goes after Mel. And although he promised he would take Rudy out on a date, takes Mel on a date instead, Mel, coming back from the date, gets with Gabe. Please keep up with me here. (laughs) Matt gets the rejection from Mel, tries to come back to Rudy, and Rudy tells him to save his breath. And it was such a delightful thing to hear in a Bachelor show. But in the end, Matt got saved by someone else. Cheyenne saves Matt because there are four more men than women in this heterosexual dating show. And so four men knew that they were going to go home because they weren't going to be picked by a woman because women can only date one person at a time. Cheyenne chooses Matt and pretends to have a connection with him. I think she says something along the lines of, oh, I just want to take a chance on him. But obviously, she hadn't made a connection with anyone, and producers told her to pick Matt in order to keep the drama going, because Rudy got highlighted very strongly in this first episode. So I think there's going to be more coming from her. It was hilarious to see Matt try to act like he likes Cheyenne. I think he called her the nicest person in the house after struggling for a while on camera to come up with anything to say about her. Yeah, he's like, I literally know nothing about her, but she is nice. She gave me a rose. So I guess that's the start of something. <laughs> At least none of them are Michael. Yes, Michael Todd, our singer-songwriter, he came into this show very strong, ready to play his hit single in his mind. And he can beatbox. And he tried to make a connection with Savannah. What'd you think of their not-so-hot touch? A cold touch. <laughs> He tried to kiss her by saying, I like your lips, and then she had to whip her whole body away from him to get away. So that was also fun to watch. Speaking of watching the show, Beach, what would you rate ABC's Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart? I would rate this show a solid is great for fans of The Bachelor. Agreed. If you are already into this franchise, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, I'm sure there's other versions as well. This isn't even just more of the same, but it takes those elements, The Bachelor style, and adds in a fun musical flair. Fully agreed. Taking things over from reality television to the reality TV show we call Life. (laughs) Let's talk about (laughs) the historical drama Mrs. America on FX. Mrs. America is based on true events where 
portraying this story centered around Phyllis Schlafly, who was a conservative woman who was fighting against the Equal Rights Amendment. So we are set in the 1970s, and she is played by Kate Blanchett. And not only are we seeing her take on political views and political activism and playing with politicians in D.C., we're also seeing the other side of the battle because this is also the era of second wave feminism. We have historical figures such as Gloria Steinem and Shirley Chisholm, played by Rose Byrne and Uzo Aduba, respectively, who are giving us the other side of this battle. What did you think of this retelling of historical events? I love that this show decided to give up historical accuracy in order to tell a good story. The basic story is true. Phyllis Schlafly was a foreign policy and security expert who found her way into the war against the ERA, saying that this was a bill that hurt women who relied on gendered policies such as alimony and other benefits from the Social Security Administration, as well as fearing conscription into the army. I love that they kept those base elements, but then immediately went for drama and just telling a good story. And it was really compelling to watch. Kate Blanchett was magical on screen. She just is so talented at playing any sort of being, but she is really, really great in this role. This could have been very boring and dry if they just focused on the policy aspect. And I think that would be great for a History Channel documentary if we wanted to really learn about everything going on behind the ERA. But this is a good story that's showing us Phyllis from different angles with her family, her friends, her peers. And I think it really, like you said, highlights and emphasizes the thrilling dramatic parts to make a good TV show. There are moments where she is advocating against the ERA and saying that women who say they can't get ahead because of sexism are just making excuses while in a meeting where she experiences sexism. Did this happen? Probably. But I love that we have this heightened drama version of it so we can immediately point out the complications in her life. And like you said, Beach, I love that we get to see the other side of this fight as well. I think that we just need a thousand million trillion more pieces of media about Shirley Chisholm's life. I'm so excited to see what Uzo Duba does there. We have Tracy Ullman playing the feminine mystique Spetty Ferdan. We have Rose Byrne, of course, as Gloria Steinem, like you said. And we have Elizabeth Banks as Jill Ruckelshaus. So we're going to get to see the fight for the ERA too in this highly dramatized and exciting way. And I hope they find a good balance between the two sides. I think it's clear that Phyllis is our lead into this world. I hope that they make sure we see all the different viewpoints. And even outside of Phyllis and the second wave feminists, I'm sure there's some other people in this world who could offer a third viewpoint that could be interesting. Like Black women who have always been erased from feminist history. Who? I think that getting both sides is going to be really cool. I remember Gloria Steinem once said about Phyllis Schlafly that she often argues for being in the home and saying that a woman's position is in the home. But there is that tension there. Phyllis Schlafly took political meetings, wrote a newspaper, led protests around the country, so was sort of the woman that she advocated against. That was very odd. And we see Phyllis in this first episode struggling between what she wants to do with her own career and what her husband expects of her in the home. 
Speaking of her husband, who is played by Mad Men's John Slattery, did seeing all of these stars playing these characters take you out ever? Major props to the whole cast. I believed them as these characters. I just saw Phyllis. I just saw Gloria. I just saw Shirley. For a moment when Elizabeth Banks came onto the screen, I saw Elizabeth Banks because of her voice. And her hair and makeup was very Elizabeth Banks. It's something you might have seen her wear before. But I think after like a couple seconds, she blended right back in and I wasn't taken out of the story at any point. What about you? The acting was phenomenal. The only thing that took me out wasn't actually Elizabeth Banks, but seeing Rose Byrne in the Gloria Steinem wig because it looked like a helmet, which is what Gloria Steinem's hair looks like. For a moment, I was like, oh, she must be hot under there. And then I got back (laughs) into caring about feminism and the ERA. So, Beach, what would you rate FX's Mrs. America? I would rate it would watch again casually. I think this is a fun historical drama. It's just a mini series, so it shouldn't take too long to get through. And I'm in for it. What about you? I agree. I'm all in. So I will be tuning in next week to watch the next episode of this show. I love it. So since we're talking about drama, how about we go to family drama in the show Black AF on Netflix? Drea Barris, played by Iman Benson, is making a documentary about her life with Kenya Barris, who is the famed show creator of Blackish, Grownish, Mixedish, America's Next Top Model, and is the mind behind movies like Girls Trip, Little, and Shaft. This is a heightened reality show, like a cross between Curb Your Enthusiasm and a mockumentary like The Office, where Kenya is navigating life as a successful Black man and the mental hangups and guilt that can come with that. His family is rounded out with his wife, Joya, played by Rashida Jones, his oldest daughter, Chloe, who's at film school at USC, played by Jenea Walton, his 12-year-old daughter, Izzy, who is a schemer and maybe a little scary, played by Scarlett Spencer, his son, Pops, who is the 10-year-old sensitive one of the family, played by Justin Claiborne, his son, Cam, who is an 8-year-old expert liar, played by Ravi Cabot-Conyers, and the most likable member of the family, three-year-old Brooklyn, played by Richard Gardenhire Jr. So many names. (laughs) The last one, his assistant, Danny, is played by wonderful comedian Gil Ozeri. I really liked how in this fictionalized world, they brought us in in a fun way that's kind of a trope, but they spin it in a new way of the documentary style. Here, like you said, we have the backstory that Drea is filming a documentary. This is for her application to film school. And her dad, the fictional Kenya Barris, bought her all of this equipment and I think a seven member film crew to help her put together this documentary. (laughs) But one thing that did slightly confuse me is this show is very meta. So we're watching them film a documentary. So sometimes we see the cameras, sometimes it's just the like interview confessional style setting. But then I'm not always sure what is documentary and what is just them filming the family for the show. And then we find out in the show that Kenya has a Netflix deal for a show called Black AF. And Drea thinks that this footage she's filming will be used by her fictional dad for the fictional Black AF, which could also be this real Black AF on Netflix. Am I understanding it correctly? 
I couldn't tell what was documentary or mockumentary and what was them just being filmed for a show. And it gave me a little bit of a headache. So I let that go and focused on the laughs. And I also thought that there were a lot of places where he tried to make a point, which is something he often does on Blackish, especially through Anthony Anderson, bringing up something that is a larger concern for Black folks and then using humor to convey the point and the history and set a perspective. In this first episode, the main conflict, if you will, seems to be around white gaze and respectability politics, which do have histories rooted in slavery and in oppression of Black folks, which I think the title of the show is Because of Slavery. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about his approach to that? Because to me, it felt like his approach to respectability politics was buying as many things as possible to make him look as fly as possible. And his wife, Joya, was doing the same. So it was almost like they were trying to buy their way out of the white gaze. Drea comments on this a lot too. Props to her character for calling out her own parents. It feels like Kenya is in the keeping up with the Joneses lifestyle where he wants to have the same level of goods and material items that he thinks a white person at his success level would have. And so he wants to keep up those appearances. And it doesn't seem to be he's doing this for pure enjoyment for himself and his family, but out of some societal expectations. But then he gets very offended if anyone calls him out on asking, why do you have this nice fancy car? Why are you wearing an expensive gold chain? I feel like he needs to either own up to it or give us a better reason for why he's doing what he's doing. I think the show missed some of what they do so well on Blackish, which is using comedy, good writing, even clips from other media, which they attempted a little bit in this first episode to convey the point so that it's explained responsibly, even though you're making jokes they keep hinting at it and dancing around it the full episode. There's a point where Kenya Barris literally asks the camera, am I a coon? But I don't feel like they answer that question in this episode. And maybe they want to take all season to get to that. But I think they could have at least laid down some sort of viewpoint by the end of this first episode. Or done better world building and perspective building for what would lead him to ask that question. He just seemed to be quickly offended and we don't have enough basis for that. With that said, what would you rate Netflix's Black AF? So my rating is going to be a little unconventional off our scale, since this is a Kenya Barris production starring him and executive produced by him and part of his Netflix deal. I say to our listeners, support Kenya Barris by going to watch the movie Girls Trip. Let's support Kenya Barris. Strongly recommend Blackish. Strongly recommend reruns of America's Next Top Model. The first few seasons of that show were wild in the most delicious way. And if you want a good heightened reality show, I would suggest Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO. Good recommendation. Speaking of HBO, let's take things over to Run. Run is a new comedy thriller starring Merritt Weaver as Ruby Richardson and Donald Gleason as Billy Johnson. And the whole premise is that Ruby and Billy are ex-lovers from college, and they made a pact 17 years ago that if either one of them ever texts the word run to each other, 
and the other replies, they're going to drop everything immediately and meet at Grand Central Station to take a train across America. So at the top of this first episode, Ruby gets the text from Billy, and she responds, run as well. And now we see her leave her life behind to go meet him and ride a train. So they're on their first train from New York to Chicago, and we're seeing them reconnect and figure out why are they on this trip. For us as the viewer, as we're trying to figure out as well why they're on this trip, they are intentionally evasive with each other, obscuring information about where they're from, and even make a pact that they won't share personal information in the first 24 hours of the trip. So we're trying to get to know them as they try to get to know each other. And you can't tell if you actually have more information on them than they're letting on because everything has this shade of, is this a lie or is this real? They're avoiding personal details and they make a few exceptions for you can ask this or you can ask this. But then you realize some of the things they're saying to each other are a little inconsistent or just don't make sense when they take into account things they know about each other's past. And so you really start to wonder what else could they be hiding from each other? One thing we do know is that they're both leaving people behind. Yes. They both have some semblance of family that they've decided to quickly abandon for this trip. And it felt like both of them were waiting for that run text because there was no hesitation. They just both comfortably abandoned their homes, which means that they had been thinking about this for a while. And an important fact is they both sent run. Billy sent it first, but Ruby's reply was also run. So she was ready to get away from some situation in her life. It seemed like she had become a version of herself that she didn't like. At the beginning of the episode, she goes to the Delta counter to buy a ticket to go to New York. And she complains to the attendant who asks her if she wants a window or aisle seat that she is painfully indecisive and resorts to yelling at the attendant to just choose a seat for her. Whereas when she's on the train with Billy and they go to the cafe car and the server asks them what they want to eat, she immediately says, I want pasta and a salad and orders the same for Billy. And he mutters, always so decisive. It implies that at least 17 years ago, a version of her exists that was a very decisive person who was so decisive that she felt comfortable making decisions for others. So there's another side to her personality that for some reason, Ruby doesn't seem as comfortable being in her current life back home. But once she's back around Billy, it brings her back to her old self. And you immediately see the level of comfort between the two of them. Their chemistry is so good. Both actors are fantastic, but their chemistry is also off the charts. Yeah, and there's a fun little scene where they sit across from a woman and they're pretending to be strangers, but she immediately picks up on the romantic undertones between the two of them. They can't hide their feelings for each other. Do you think that they'll stick with this train journey? I think they'll go a few more stops and then there's going to be some sort of hiccup or major question of someone back home needs me to leave this trip and they're going to have to make the call. That's what I see coming. Do you want them to be together? I don't think I care about them that much. I just think the story (laughs) is interesting. So whether they choose to stay together, whether they choose to go back to their respective homes, I don't care about that as much. I just think the story is very compelling. And another cool thing about the story that you brought up and we were discussing before reviewing is that it seems like they very easily left their lives to come meet up. 
which makes them somewhat difficult to root for as people.、Mm. But it doesn't make them uninteresting to watch. Sometimes the worst people are the most interesting. Yeah. So, me too. What would you rate Run on HBO? If you're a fan of Fleabag, which I would 100% recommend, I think you'll like this show as well. For me, it stressed me out a little bit. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I can't handle much more stress. So, I would recommend if you too are prone to stress to make sure you're in a good mood to watch it. But it is very, very good. What about you, Beach? I would watch again seriously. I want to see where these two are running off to. And I'm just waiting for something to just like blow up and ruin this train getaway that they're on. Hence the stress. The tension is building. Yeah, it's like a ticking time bomb. You know, a problem has to occur, and I'm ready and waiting. You know what else you have to wait for? What? A well baked pastry. Let's take things over to ABC's The Baker and the Beauty. The Baker and the Beauty is actually an adaptation of an Israeli romantic comedy of the same name, which was actually like one of the most popular scripted Israeli series ever. It makes sense why this was being adapted here. And the whole idea in this show is that Daniel Garcia, played by Victor Rasuk, meets the international superstar Noah Hamilton, played by Natalie Kelly. And he is immediately shifted into the spotlight. He's no longer just a baker. He's being thrust into the limelight and the high life of Noah, who is the daughter of a billionaire and also a successful entrepreneur. And then you end up getting questions from Daniel's family. They're concerned about is this going to be a safe choice for him? Will he get his heart broken? And what are Noah's intentions when she's dating outside of her circle? So, what did you think about the budding romance between Noah and Daniel? And how do you feel about Noah getting so attached to Daniel out of the blue? Noah is just getting out of a breakup. We know that her ex boyfriend treated her terribly and that he cheated on her with one of his co stars that he started in a movie with. So, we know that she's in an emotionally vulnerable place. So, there is this fear that she is taking advantage of Daniel because he is super available. He is a baker who works at his family's bakery and lives in his parents' home. He's available and he's single and she can have fun with him. So, it's hard to feel sorry for her, if you will. But you do start to root pretty quickly for the love between them. There is a great chemistry there and they bring good sides out of each other. Do you feel that will be enough? Because even in their first night together, Noah has her entourage of her manager, Lewis, and her best friend, Piper, and her stylist, Zoe, and they're all skeptical as these two are getting to know each other. It is cool to see the other side of Noah in that she gets to be this free spirited person because, especially her manager, Lewis, played by Scandal's Dan Bukatinsky, does the reality side for her. So he's the one who takes Daniel aside and says, I think you're a rebound. While she's having this fun night out, he's the one who manages the press fallout. He's the one who offers exclusives in exchange for friendlier coverage. He's the one who is. Basically, cleaning up as she goes along. Hopefully, there won't be a cleanup and they can live happily ever after. Speaking of a needed cleanup, let's speak really quickly about Vanessa. Mama got played. Yeah, so listeners, Daniel, before meeting Noah, 
was actually in a long-term relationship of four years with Vanessa. They were celebrating their four-year anniversary, and Vanessa proposes to Daniel at a restaurant in front of all of the other patrons at this restaurant, including Noah, and he says no on camera. She sang for him. She put her whole heart out on the line. But I loved that smart moment she had where she knew she was about to go viral for being embarrassed, and she plugs her business, her name, tells people to look her up, So I like Vanessa. I wonder how they'll keep using her in the show. Now that her relationship with Daniel is done, I don't see her, for example, competing with Noah for his attention in a way that is organic. I wonder what role she'll play. I see her being referencing to a show we both love, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She'll be early stages of Valencia. Ooh, good. Where she's upset about this breakup, but also not completely over her ex. She thinks there's a chance they can get back together. Another great side story in this show is around his family. His father, Rafael, played by Carlos Gomez, his brother, Mateo, played by David Del Rio, and his mom, Marie, played by Being Mary Jane's Lisa Vidal. They offer this deep love and support for Daniel, which is very sweet to see. And you see how that affects Noah to witness that because it seems like she doesn't have that in her home. So I bet there's going to be an interesting push-pull if they get more serious about each other between their families. We get strong hints that Noah has family issues. And I think just like Lewis's concerns, I can see her family having strong opinions on Daniel. One person that's very happy about Noah, who I forgot to list just now, is his sister Natalie, played by Belisa Escobedo. She's obsessed with Noah and is having trouble at her new school. So I think Noah will help give her some guidance and confidence. Yeah, like a role model slash big sister. They already have a nice connection. Yeah. All right, Beach, what would you rate ABC's The Baker and the Beauty? I would rate it Would Watch Again Casually. This is just a nice rom-com. And I think I'll give it a few more episodes. I happen to be a big fan of Natalie Kelly. And I was sad to see her leave Dynasty. So I'm happy to see her in another series and I will support her. So what would you rate the show? I am excited to watch more episodes of this show as well. I was scared right in the beginning when there were a couple singing scenes that you, BJ, of course, had tricked me because of your love for musicals into watching another musical show. Nope. But it isn't that. It is so fun. If you like romantic comedies and think that we need even more of them to brighten our lives in a somewhat scary time right now, this is the show for you. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And if you're looking for more shows that you might enjoy, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and you can subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you want even more content, consider joining the Pilot Podcast Deep Dive, where we take a deep dive into the pilot episode of a single show. And you can find out more at join.thepilotpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, your Beauty and the Baker story. If you have a fun romantic story, please send that to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.